You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show Please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Um, so I'm not giving up on the on the live stuff. We're, as you noticed, been uh, missing a couple shows. I'm just getting a little bit behind and um, don't really want to get overwhelmed with adding too much to the plate. Just trying to get caught up a little bit here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm giving myself the day off, I guess. <laughs> Kind of bums me out because we're making some momentum there, but I just, you know, really trying to squeeze it in timeline-wise, and I just said, you know what, forget it. Let's do it old school. We'll pick it back up maybe tomorrow. Actually, we can't do it tomorrow. We could do a post-game. No, I'm not doing a post-game. Oh, yeah, we can. It's a noon game, right? We could do a post-game call-in show probably. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Anyways, I think you're all caught up on everything, so why don't we get caught up on some calls, right? <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, here we go. Hey, Kyle from Madison. Hey, One last man. point. Okay. Zach Tom's the starting right tackle for this team. Yeah. Uh, we just, no more talking about center or any of that. Right. The guy is the right tackle for Always this team. Always has been. That eraser job he did on the left end of the Patriots on the read touchdown, like, mwah, chef's kiss. We, we missed that last year in, in long stretches. Uh, just write him down in pen. He's he's got to be the right tackle. He he just he has to be. In my eyes, it's there's no more discussion. End of story. Zach Tom, right tackle for the Green Bay Packers. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have somebody that not. I'm not talking about wants. I understand wants. I understand there's a huge portion of the fan base that really dislikes Josh Myers. Really wants that center position fix. Um, couple that with a genuine belief in not only Yash Nyman, but now Rashid Walker. So I think most people see it as, man, Tom could just be this dominant center, and then we got this really good tackle, whereas in my mind, we're, we're losing a really good tackle, putting him at center where he's probably less effective, although the coaches disagree, so what do I know? He's just undersized, which freaks me out, although maybe not so much. Centers aren't that big. Um, but I also don't have a ton of faith in either of those tackles to step up and do a fantastic job. But I, I would love to have somebody... Feel free to call in because we got plenty of time. I'm behind on calls, obviously, but we got plenty of time to uh, hash this out. Give me what you think is the best case that it's going to happen. Not that you want it to happen. I, I get it. I understand the argument for why you want it to happen. If you want to add that in, fine. Give me the best case for why you think it's going to happen. What is the evidence for it? In my mind, it's, it's the Packers have said that Zach Tom is better inside. 
and the emergence of Walker. That that would be like the best possible case because I don't think Yash is the guy, but Walker has overtaken him. Here's the issue I have: they have been training with the same five guys all off season. You don't just change that. Do you know how much of a massive benefit it is that 95% of the snaps taken this entire offseason has been that starting five offensive line? Don't you, you don't shuffle it around and then try it now. Yes, they've had a couple of snaps with Tom at center. It is massively, all through training camp, been the same starting five with Myers at center and um, Zach Tom at tackle. Another counterpoint, Josh Myers is nowhere near as bad as you think he is. He is a very good pass blocker, and yes, he struggles snapping. That sucks, but you know I'm not giving up on him because of some snaps. He had snapping issues with Aaron Rodgers, and we don't think back on that as him being the reason we lost the season, right? Remember, who was it? Like A.J. Dillon coming across, or Christian Watson or somebody, and the snap hit him in the leg. We were down on the opponent's, in, in the opponent's red zone. We were way down in there. I, I want to say on like the 10-yard line. And the ball got snapped and hit, I think, Watson in the leg. And I'm pretty sure the other team recovered. I, I don't know the exact details, but I mean, stuff like that happened. It wasn't catastrophic. We had a top three pass blocking offensive line. The offensive line really wasn't a problem. And if you say run blocking, fine. But there's no evidence that Zach Tom is a better run blocker at tackle, much less at center, where he's going up against much bigger, stronger individuals. There's also no reason to believe that the Packers are going to give up on a second round pick after two years. And again, in the second year, he took a massive leap as a pass blocker. That doesn't seem like criteria to give up on a guy. So I, I just, I don't think anybody could make a case that would be convincing to me. Now, if we do something either in free agency next year or in the draft, maybe, but the problem is David Bakhtiari's leaving. So whatever we do at tackle, that doesn't change the calculus. In fact, we have to do something at tackle just to keep it the same way that it is. Otherwise, we have Walker, who, oh, by the way, and this is another counterpoint, has primarily been training at left tackle. He has been the left tackle backup. Because I think that is primarily where they want him to be. Partially because they potentially see him as a Bakhtiari backup, at least, you know, worst case scenario. They don't really have anyone that they trust or that they like, and they want to give him that opportunity. Secondly, who's most likely to go out at tackle this year between Tom and Bakhtiari? It's very obviously Doc David Bakhtiari. And so if Walker's going to be your guy, put him over there and make sure he's ready to get in there and take those reps. I just don't see that Walker has been preparing to be the right tackle. Yes, he has taken right tackle snaps, just like everybody's played everywhere for the most part, with the exception maybe of Elton Junk Jenkins and John Runyon, although even Runyon has played, I think, at center at times. Hey, man, it's Jimmy. Jimmy. Um, I, I was just having this thought. Uh, I wonder if it's possible, and maybe it wasn't intentional, but I wonder if... Uh, Rodgers kind of did love a favor by turning heel these last couple of years, you know? Yeah. Like, I know everybody, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, Packer fans who are concerned about uh, love and, uh, you know, his potential success. But I feel like those numbers are fading and everybody's slipping a bit right now and rallying around him, like team-wise, obviously, but even fan base-wise, you know, it's not like... Like, we all love Rodgers, but I think right now we all kind of hate Rodgers. And, uh, I mean, there's some exceptions, of course, but I think overall that feels like the vibe. And it was the same thing with, uh, with Favre. So maybe on some level, whether again, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Rodgers, I like, do like to imagine this conversation where Rodgers is like, listen, Jordan, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to become the biggest dick in the league. Uh, for a couple of years, don't take it personally, nothing against you, 
But uh, in fact, if anything, I'm doing you a favor. So I'm going to do it because I think it'll be fun. I'm going to embrace this character. I'm going to go in the dark. I'm going to become a big-time hippie. I'm going to, like, you know, do my Nick Cage impression and uh, and just become, like, a big douchebag. So uh, it'll be fun for me, and, and then it'll put you in a good light, you know. So when I leave, everybody's going to rally around you. So let's have fun with this. Anyway, I like to imagine that. Because uh, now he's, you know, clean cut, all business Rogers. Uh, feels like <laughs> he has turned, you know, like made complete the transition from uh, Packer hero to Packer heel uh, in this pro wrestling world we live in. Anyway, go Pack, go. Just my thoughts. Bye-bye. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. Um I was listening to another podcast, I cannot remember which one it was, but they had made the point about something about when Favre went, they were trying to figure out, I think it was uh, Wildey and Tausch, they were talking about, trying to figure out why there seems to be a much more positive reception for Love than there was for Rodgers. And um, one of the things that was brought up was how successful the Packers were when Favre went out. And I think maybe more so than him, quote-unquote, turning heel, as you put it, is how fortunate we are that the Packers actually were not successful last year. Can you imagine if we won 13 games, and let's say a playoff game, on the back of a very good Aaron Rodgers season, and then the Packers had decided we're still going to move on? I don't know that it would change a ton in terms of who would support it and who would not. I'm sure there would be several others that would that would disagree. But I mean, we all understand that Aaron Rodgers didn't play well because he got hurt, in part or or attitude or whatever. But the point is, it wouldn't really change our opinion of of moving forward, right? Rodgers could come back with a great attitude and dominate. He can come back with a garbage attitude and still play like crap. But the fervor and the the viciousness on social media between the people who are saying this is the dumbest thing we've ever done to let Rodgers go, and the people saying I think it was actually a good decision. Good Lord, it would be a bloodbath on social media. It works absolutely to my favor that it was such a bad season last year. And honestly, it may have worked in all of our favor because I don't know that we know 100,000% that they move on from Rodgers if dude was knocking on the door of an MVP again. In fact, imagine if he won MVP. I don't know if they could walk away from him. I know they would have wanted to. And the contract situation is a is a disgrace and all, but... And granted, I mean, look, the way it unfolded, they technically didn't walk away from him, so they could have played the exact same game, and then when Rodgers says, I want to retire, like, well, that sucks, you know, and it could have unfolded the same way, and then it just would have been, you know, hey, the Packers, we wanted him, but he he said he wanted to leave, so there you go. But even then, it would have just been, you freaking idiots didn't do what was required to keep this guy. You pieces of crap. And people are still saying that, but again, not nearly with the same amount of fervor. Because it's hard to back up a guy that, played like he played, and the team played like it played. That's why the, the line of attack has less to do with how great Rodgers is and more to do with how much they, if you listen to the, you know, anti-Goot, pro-Rodgers crowd, which, you know, I don't necessarily like doing that, but at least you all know what I'm saying because you've seen the division of these two things. You know what I mean. The biggest thing you hear from them is generally anti-Jordan Love stuff. From my experience, anyways, it's all Jordan Love is no good. If you knew what you were looking at, you would see that. This guy can't play. He couldn't play in college. Blah, blah, blah. They sound like Bears fans. So I think that worked to our advantage. The turning heel thing, 
Yeah, I think um, I think it helped a little bit in terms of maybe kind of helping people to to be more excited about it than than otherwise. I personally don't like it though. I wish that it was very strictly just everything with Rogers was awesome, but it was time to move on, and everything was amicable, and we could all just be cool. I really hate the fact that the last couple years I soured on him. We were all Rogers fans, right? At least up to a point. And then at some point, that was another point that they actually made on the podcast was there was a litany of reasons. It could be one in a billion different reasons, but everybody has at least a reason, right? Some people it's COVID, some people it's this, some people it's that. I think the first time I kind of soured on Rodgers, and it wasn't even really that I soured on him, but when that article came out about the stuff he said, I went to bat for Rodgers. This is all BS, it's all lies. Then it kind of starts to come out that maybe a lot of that was actually very true. That's not great, to hear his conduct behind closed doors. Then there was the thing where he said he wanted off the team. That's when I just, that was my first time ever putting my foot down and saying, you know what, screw this guy. If he doesn't want to play here, screw him. As the GM, your obligation is to say, you're the freaking quarterback, I'm the GM, you show up and do your job, or F off. I'm not playing these games, I'm not going to suck up to you like all the pro Rodgers fans want us to do. Well, he's a, he's a superstar, you have to suck up to him. No, I don't have to suck up to anything. Screw you is what, what I'm going to tell you. And I would have traded him instantly. I would have traded him. You're going to throw a pout fest, oh, I'm not playing unless Goot gets fired. You want me fired, bro? You're going behind my back saying fire him or I'm not coming back? Tell you what, I'm the GM, stupid. I'm the guy that makes the decisions. Bye. That was my first time going down that path. Then I kind of waffled back and forth because he was saying a lot of stuff. And most of the stuff I really didn't have a problem with. And people get so pissy about stuff he said, I just thought it was stupid. And I thought the hate that he was receiving was over the top. And then this past year, it was just kind of when it was just all, I'm, I'm just done with this. And it wasn't even so much Roger. I mean, it was Rogers, but it was a lot of the sort of pro Rogers camp and just the constant fighting. And that fighting kind of just ramps up my anger toward Rogers. Because I have no choice but to just keep spinning it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because it's a constant fight over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I think that's true for a lot of us. It's not even Rodgers anymore. It's the fights with everybody else. It's it's almost as if we're fighting with Rodgers, you know, and he's just sitting there not doing anything. So, you know, it's bad when he says, I don't need to do anything with the young guys. I don't like that. It's worse when everybody starts gaslighting you and making it seem like it's stupid to think that a quarterback and rookies working together would be a good idea. Okay, F everybody right now, okay? F all of you and doubly for Rodgers. How about that? Because that's the dumbest crap I've ever heard in my life. And I'm not falling for this gaslighting BS. How's that sound? Oh, I never did that. I never hung out with young people. And and then Rodgers goes to New York and he shows that he knew it all along. Right? You're not obligated to take a pay cut. Of course you're not. But you're willing, but you were never willing to do it here. You're not obligated to show up to OTAs, but it's a good idea, and you knew it because you showed up to OTAs over there. You're not obligated to hang out with the young guys, but it's a good idea, and you knew it all along, and I know that because you did it with the Jets. And you're a bunch of freaking liars who tried to make us all feel like jagoffs for an entire year for trying to hold you accountable for basic things And we had to take a pile of crap over and over and over and over for daring to question Aaron, the Lord in heaven above Rogers, 
And now he's showing everybody that he knew it all along. And guess who's being held accountable? Nobody who said all that crap. Not a single person. So yes, it just pisses me off more than it should. And again, if there were no arguments that entire year, it would have been minor. But just that glaring example that the guy just didn't put in the effort here. And the fact that you were murdered if you dare to mention that. That's where the hostility for me comes from. I couldn't give a crap about anything he said on Pat McAfee. I mean, he's lying about stupid stuff. I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it's more unbelievable that he lied about stuff like his cell service than it is like infuriating because I think everybody understands that's stupid. And that's exactly the point, isn't it? If there was, if there were a pile of people, if 20% of Packer fans decided they were going to dig in their heels and say that they believed him and you're just a hater for not, guess what? That issue would really make me angry. But the fact that nobody wants to fight about it, I don't care. We all just move on with our lives, which is again, kind of a stupid thing. I'm more upset with Rogers than I should be. And a huge portion of my frustration with Rogers is actually frustration with people that I was arguing with all year who are not Aaron Rodgers. That's me anyways. I can't speak for you. And again, that's probably true on the other side of it too. That's where a lot of this anti-love stuff comes from or anti-Gudicunt stuff comes from or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's why you literally have some Packer fans. They'll never admit it, but they would love it if the Jets won the Super Bowl and the Packers played like crap, just so they could say, I told you so. Because they're so angry about all these arguments that have been happening that it's brought them to the point of wishing for what is not best for the Green Bay Packers. See? See? You wanted to move on. They want to win that fight so bad. They want to win the argument that Gutekunst is trash so bad. Do you know how much it would suck for them if this team was actually good? Because it's not just the national media that's been pushing this narrative that the whole team is just garbage, but it's being dragged by this MVP quarterback. That is this sort of like anti-goot crowd that's floating around out there that still can't get over TJ freaking Watt. Do you know how devastating it is if the team is actually quite good, especially if Jordan Love is just adequate? Because it turns out it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers. It's actually a really good football team put around him, which we've been told for years is not the case that Gutekunst and, and Ted Thompson were inept and not able to get talent and put around him, which was the case for a little period, again, at the end of the Ted Thompson era. But the point is, we saw it. We saw the bad team. Now we see the good team being put around him. But we're pretending that we don't see it. But that, you know how devastating that is to that argument? If the Packers are any in any way competent, it's devastating. And if the Packers are good, it's devastating. If the Jets are bad, it's devastating. So this social media argumentation stuff is powerful, man. It's not a good thing. I mean, it's not good for me. It's not good for anybody. And I, I, I would happily love to have some kind of a truce because the 10%, 20% of the anti-goot crowd really need to come back into the fold because standing on the outside, spitting on the franchise because you hate the, the GM is not good for anybody. If you're a Packer fan, you shouldn't be standing out in the cold, dude. You need to come back in here. I'm sorry you don't like the GM. That's the way it goes. I don't like the safety room. I'm still a Packer fan, all right? I don't like the contract we gave Rodgers. I didn't go stand outside and riot. Not everything in your life is going to be perfect. Come on back inside. Truce. Stand down. Let's move on. But anyways, yes, I do think that a lot of that caused an environment that was very hostile in the fan base toward Aaron Rodgers. And just like they said on Wilde and Tausch, he gave so many individual reasons that pretty much anybody could have found a reason to be frustrated with him very easily. And I think the majority of the fan base did. And I do think that makes it a lot easier 
to support Jordan Love. And and some of that probably is somewhat toxic. On the again, on the opposite side of it, a lot of it is sort of a middle finger to Aaron Rodgers, haha, we don't need you. Which again, it shouldn't be that. It should be we're rooting for our team because it's our team. That's it. I mean, don't get me wrong, you flip off all thirty one other teams, go for it. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just saying, let's not uh I don't know. I, I do whatever you want to do. But you get what I'm saying, right? I just don't think it's healthy for any of us. We know the difference between saying like ha ha to a random quarterback in the AFC, like Trey Lance, and flipping the double birds to you know, Aaron Rodgers for, you know, something that he's not even arguing with you about. <laughs> he's not rooting against the Packers. He's not rooting against Jordan Love. Jets fans maybe are, and Packers fans who want Rodgers here, the ones that you're actually arguing with, they might want that. They're rooting against Jordan Love. They've been trashing Jordan Love. Rodgers is not. He is a Jordan Love fan, and he's also very close friends with a lot of people here and probably wishes them the absolute best. Just something for all of us to keep in the back of our head. Don't misplace the anger. Hey, Ryan, scared. What up? Uh, I did watch uh, a little bit of the preseason game with Atlanta. Um, I wanted to start off with uh, just sharing my thoughts about this team because uh, Thomas Austin brought it up a little bit um, in the last background after dark, and I wanted to just kind of follow up with it a little bit. Uh, that team does look like they could give New Orleans a run for their money for uh, conference. Okay. In the South, um, that offense does look legit. Bijan does look as advertised. And you have Drake London, then Kyle Pitts. If Ritter can just play within the system, I mean, he's got the weapons to throw at. So this is one team we got coming up in a, you know, in the first quarter of the season. And it is indoors, which I did hear something I wanted to, uh, see what you thought about. They talked about Bakhtiari and uh, games that they have to play indoors and whether or not he may or may not play those games indoors on the turf. So we do know that that's a lot harder on the knees, and I'm just kind of curious if the Packers might rotate him out of those games just to try to prolong his career with them and see if he can last through the whole season. So there's that scenario. Uh, I don't know how many games we play indoors, but I know that We've got at least one with Detroit, one with the Vikings, and Atlanta. That's three games right there alone that we may not have Bakhtiari playing uh, on turf. So there's that issue. And then uh, I'm just wondering, I'm going to throw this out there because you can't have too many wide receivers, Ryan. <laughs> I, I'm really kind of hoping they keep all seven of them. Um, if they have to just go into the first couple games, which is three tight ends, so be it. Keep those wide receivers on the field and, and just uh, maybe put Heath in that position where maybe a, a tight end would be split out wide and let Musgrave play on the line a little bit more. But uh, I'm really liking all of these guys. I really don't want to see any of them put on the practice squad. So I'm out. Well, we've got 11 wide receivers right now. I'm guessing the odd man out that you're including would be Grant DeBose. I don't know. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, Heath, Ture, and DeBose, I'm guessing. Although you could be talking about Bo Melton. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back on it. I always do whenever somebody says you can never have enough. Um, I understand it isn't necessarily meant to be literal, but I, I, uh, I just take serious issue with that because there is 
there is a cost benefit to keeping somebody like that. I mean, number one, forget, you know, 53 wide receivers. Even if you take it to seven or eight or nine, for every one you add, you have to subtract somewhere else. That's a negative. On top of that, for every one you add, you're getting a lesser and lesser return, right? Pick any stat. One of our wide receivers is going to be number one in that stat. Let's say receptions. Then the number two guy is going to be number two. The number three guy is going to be number three. The number four, I don't know the exact order, but the number six guy, the number seven guy, in fact, let me just see if I can find a single team that had a seventh receiver that caught passes and how many they were. Because I get it. It's, it's, it's great to really like somebody, but we have to think practically in terms of what are we giving up over there? Like, what are we giving up statistically for a guy like Brenton Cox and his production for this seventh wide receiver. And to be fair, he's not even on mine, and I only have six, so I'd have to take somebody else off. That might be a guy like Anthony Johnson at safety, uh, Jonathan Ford, which would probably be easy for a lot of people, but whatever, Austin Allen at tight end, which probably isn't really doable. So the Arizona Cardinals' seventh wide receiver uh, was uh, Andre Bocellia, and he caught seven passes for 45 yards. The Baltimore Ravens only had seven, and their number seven guy was Josh Eli, one target, zero reception, zero yards. Excuse me, that was the Falcons. The Baltimore Ravens' number seven guy was Tylen Wallace. He caught four receptions for 33 yards. John Brown for the Bills caught uh, one pass for 42 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, there you go. There's one big one there. The Packers last year, well, it says six, but I'm guessing they don't have, um, what's his name, on there as a Packers guy anymore. So we had, it looks like exactly, uh, you know what? No, yeah, I think it's exactly seven. Our number seventh guy was Jawan Winfrey. He caught one pass for 17 yards. And you got to understand, when I say seven, that's not even seven that made it. That's, that's seven over the course of an entire season with guys getting injured and people getting called up and free agents being brought in and different stuff happening. They, they, they don't even go into it with seven. But either way, this is the production of the number seven guy. You're maybe, maybe, maybe pushing 100 yards on a couple of catches. Maybe four catches and 90 yards or something on the high end. More than likely, you're probably sub 50 yards. So we can bring on DeBose. That's not a problem. And I understand saying, hey, I like him. We should bring him on. Or even I like Malik Heath. Well, it's not, it's, you know, even for Malik Heath or or Ture or whoever it is that ends up being the low man on the six-person totem pole, what are we talking about? 150 yards, maybe? So I, I'm, I'm glad that we have the depth, I think is the big thing. But whether they can go to the practice squad and get called up if we need them. They don't need to be on the 53-man roster in order for them to be able to contribute and to play. The only thing I don't want is to overstack the wide receivers and then utilize them at a high level because there's also a, a zero-sum game in which for every snap... Malik Heath takes, Romeo Dobbs does not. For every snap that Samori Ture takes, Jaden Reed does not. For every snap Tay Wicks takes, Christian Watson does not. I'm not saying those are one-to-one, but you get what I'm saying. I don't want Watson or Dobbs or Reed or Musgrave off the field. I want those guys on the field as much as possible. Now, if they need a break or if they kind of tweak their pinky toe for a second and then are perfectly fine after that play because they're going to be perfectly healthy all season, then fine. You know, Tay Wicks or Malik Heath or Samori Ture or whoever can go out there and play. If there's a certain concept for a certain player, fine, go out and do your little thing and then get back over here. But we've got guys that are playmakers, and then we got guys that we just kind of like, especially in the pre in the in the offseason and in the preseason. But in 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 the game, with the game on the line, 
Do you want Watson, Dobbs, Reed? And I understand we could put more out there, but even still, after that, you're, you're also talking, if you're saying, let's say we want five wide. I want Musgrave to be one of those five. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Musgrave, and who? Wicks? Heath? Turry? I don't know, but, but two of the six are still sitting. What is the seventh guy's purpose? That's kind of what I talk about a little bit on the podcast tomorrow, which is we kind of get hung up on... We, we, we're in sort of like a, a preseason frame of mind where everybody that we, we like seems really important when we really don't realize how little importance any of these guys that we're hemming and hawing about, like Emmanuel Wilson or Patrick Taylor. If Emmanuel Wilson gets the job, he'll have almost no impact on the season whatsoever. So the level of like, I really want him, we, we got him. We already got him. He's on the team. He's staying on the team. He's probably going to go to the practice squad, which is fine because he's going to continue to develop and learn and grow. And next year, he might even be like the number two. Like if, if Aaron Jones does leave, we need an actual runner. It might be A.J. Dillon and Emmanuel Wilson. Like that might be his actual path. But how desperately do we need Emmanuel Wilson on the 53-man roster this season? We don't. And if, if, if Aaron Jones... Heaven forbid, knock on wood, cross my fingers and hope to die. I don't know. If Aaron Jones did get hurt and we needed an actual running back, we could call up Emmanuel Wilson and have Dylan, Taylor, and Wilson, where Dylan and Wilson are more the running back types, and Patrick Taylor could be there to be the, the special teams, whatever. Whatever, right? It's not like if you don't make the 53, you're done forever and you get cast into the abyss. You're still on the team. We can bring you up. So we don't need to overload any of these positions. We may, like safety or wide receiver, or possibly edge or whatever, I don't know. We're, we're probably going to overload somewhere, but I just, I'm, I'm not overly worried about that far down. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss any other part of your thing. I, I know you'd mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't the core of your, your thing, but yeah, I mean, the, the Falcons could definitely be scary. I think the quarterback is the biggest question with Ritter. I mean, he's a pretty bad quarterback, so he would need to take a significant stride, but... I think London, I mean, he was he was borderline top 10 wide receiver last year as a rookie. Um, Kyle Pitts is a dangerous tight end. He took a big step back last year, but no reason to believe he wouldn't at least maintain, if not kind of go back a little bit where he was. Bijan seems super scary, and they may have one of the best offensive lines in football. I mean, they do have one of the best offensive lines. They may have the best offensive line. Lindstrom was the number one guard by a mile last year. Uh, Caleb McGarry was a top five tackle that may be a fluke i don't know he kind of came out of nowhere with that but he played the whole season and jake matthews on the left side has been solid since forever so that should be a pretty scary offensive line again with with all those weapons you know the wide receiver tight end and running back combo and then they still have grady jarrett in the middle although he's not exactly peak grady jarrett anymore i mean 2019 was kind of the last time we saw that the last two years he's been kind of somewhat erased um but yeah i mean it's it's certainly not a team that you would just expect to steamroll. I mean, as much as the Falcons have been somewhat of a joke, they've got more than enough firepower. You kind of wonder if it's really just kind of a cultural thing over there at this point because, you know, their whole reputation has been a team with this offense that just goes off the wall, but they cannot maintain a lead. They, they're blowing every single game that they have, and the defense obviously plays a big part in that, but it's it's kind of a cultural thing as well. It's been multiple years of that happening. So that's that's one area where if you look at like strengths versus weaknesses, I don't know where the Falcons are at this year and I don't know where the Packers are at, but the Falcons are a team that seem to kind of get in their own way and, and deteriorate. The Packers are a team that maybe gets off to a slow start, but has the resilience to stay focused and keep attacking and get better as they go along. And as long as that maintains, I think the Packers will be all right in that situation. Maybe. I mean, I again, I, Packers might suck. Falcons would be great. Falcons might suck. Packers are elite. I have no idea, but... 
Oh, and then the indoor thing. I, I I haven't really heard that, and I would be stunned if they pull him just because it's an indoor game. Uh, I think they'll preserve him if they foresee any legitimate issues, but not necessarily preemptively. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to keep him out half of the games-ish just because we're worried about it. But I do think they'll be cautious. Like, if he's if he's kind of feeling a little twinge in his knee and he's not quite right, he's got a little bit of a gimp, we're not going to push it. We're going to probably hold him out in that game. Whereas, we, you know, if you're a younger guy, we'll probably push you through that. But Bakhtiari's ability to recover and the fear of, like, more severe damage taking place by not taking the time to heal that properly, I think that may be a case. But I don't think we'll preemptively keep him out. Like, as of as in, like, this week right now, we already know what games he's not going to play. I don't think that's a thing. The The only other thing I'll add to that... I kind of wonder if Jordan Love will thrive indoors. As much as that kind of sucks being an outdoor team, one of the critiques of him has been he seems to struggle with the wind. You know, even Rodgers has talked about that. Like, it's just something that's learned. You learn how to play with the wind. You learn how to play in the cold. You learn how to play in these different environments. You learn how the ball comes out of your hand differently. And he seems to have not fully adapted to that. So I think you're probably going to get peak Jordan Love in more controlled environments, which would be indoors. Which, you know, again, is unfortunate. Let's hope for for no wind in Chicago week one and, and most of the days in Lambeau, at least as minimal wind as possible. But I, I do I do wonder if we're going to see a better version of Jordan Love indoors, at least, in, again, until he learns to adapt. Anyways, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast if you so choose. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hello, Ryan. This Hi is Nico there, Nico. What's from up? Uh, Idaho. Howdy. So uh, I am uh, regaining some memories mm. of the lost calls during the dump or the purge. Mm. Uh, two of them. I don't know what Two we're of my about. points that I made. One of them was I gave a win total. Oh, I see. Yes, got it. I uh, kind of want to join that little group. Okay. Uh, the win total, and I got a couple reasons. I'm thinking ten. Um, here's my reason. I think the defense is definitely better than last year. Obviously, barring injuries, duh. Um, and I think love will at least be as good as Rodgers was last year. I believe he can be better. Don't get me wrong. But I think he at least will be as good as, you know, thumbless Rodgers was last mm-hmm. year. And with, you know, with two thumbs or one thumb in, the, in our, you know, struggling defense without Gary, we mustered eight wins. So I think we can at least get ten. Um, and it's like anything, it's, if love continues to improve, you just talk about getting separation. Yeah. Rogers, I think he just didn't trust some of the new receivers. And he knew that Cobb and Lazar didn't get a lot of separation anymore, so he was very iffy. We don't have that problem now. We got a lot of separation going on with the receivers. So I think uh Love will uh if if he gets on a roll, we could do maybe eleven twelve, but I'm gonna say at least ten due to the fact that better uh better defense and Love is at least going to be as good as bad Rodgers. Because uh, let's face it, he wasn't the Hall of Fame quarterback. We didn't trade a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. We traded Aaron Rodgers, who used to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And my other point I remember making was, now that everybody's kind of come out as a truther on Joe the janitor, yeah. you know, um, I like to play the devil's advocate. Not reopening the case. But he's been vacationing a lot lately. Right. So I don't, I don't know the rules of this game. And I don't know if maybe the game was considered over. Yes. But if I could just slide my chip over to the denier side, um, nothing personal, Joe. Uh, still love to buy you a beer someday. I just kind of wanted, you know, just play devil's advocate, you know. Uh, so that's that's all. And uh, hey, uh, go pack, go. And do you think Love will play any? I think we only have one more preseason game left, right? Do you think mm-hmm. Love's going to play anything? Uh, let me know what you think. Yes, so according to Matt LaFleur, and this would have been after your call, but according to Matt LaFleur, the starters will play. Um, As far as Joe the Janitor, that case is officially closed. Uh, I do find that to be a compelling argument. That um, I mean, we call him Joe the Janitor, but that's not really a great title because it should be Joe the primarily unemployed janitor. I'm pretty sure spent um, a month, basically, in, in Florida. At least it felt that way. I don't know. I kept getting pictures constantly, and I thought he went somewhere else too. Didn't you go somewhere else, Joe? You went to Di- you took your kids to Disney, which is awesome. But I thought you went like somewhere out east. I don't know. You were vacation. It felt like for a long time. It's not to say other people can't put up money. I'm just saying it could cause some some skepticism along the way. But it doesn't matter because the case has been tried. A little thing called double jeopardy, which I don't know much about, but I'm pretty sure it means he cannot be guilty for this just never mind but yeah we haven't had anybody jump in on that for a while so we've got um 18 predictions 
plenty of room for more. But uh, let's run through them real quick. Wayne in Alaska, 17. Eli the Carpenter, 12. Jimmy, 12. Emilio, 11. Garrett, Trevor, Aaron, 11. Chris from Alabama, 10.5. Kyle from Madison, Steve from Detroit. Craig, Jonathan from Texas, and Nico are all at 10. A.A. Ron is at 9. Dakota, that nerd, 8.5. Ken from Nina, 8. Bramble, 8. And Jeff from Minneapolis, 7. That's where we're at. What is the average? Let me check the average. The running average is 10.3 wins. Slightly ahead of Vegas. <laughs> I like three wins. Ryan Kyle from Madison. What is up, buddy? What up? So I'm calling you on Monday night. Right. And I just took a little spin around the interweb after work. Sure. Got off work late. Decided to take a little spin around my daily dose of pundits, I guess. Anybody else getting a little whiplash? Because... I couldn't believe all of these just haters suddenly like singing a different tune. Very weird. I'm Jordan Love today. And I have to tell you, it makes me totally uncomfortable. Like, I want them all to go back to hating Jordan Love and the Packers and us making fun of them for it. I, I, it makes me totally uncomfortable. I don't want these, I don't want a lot of these pundits on the bandwagon. I, I hate it. I just it made me totally uncomfortable. I thought I would enjoy it, but like watching Rich Eisen today, like you know, imagine like he'd invented like, well, what if the Packers are good? It's like, oh, yeah, thank you, Rich. Wow, really? You just thought of that? It, it made me kind of sick, to be honest. And I thought I would take some pleasure in this, yeah. But no, it's the opposite. It's like when I went to high school in the nineties, and you like be the first person to listen to some indie band and you'd be bothering your friends to listen to this music. And it was cool then. But then they get popular <laughs> and it became not cool. And I couldn't believe how how kind of ridiculous it was on all the different shows today. Um, kind of in vogue for people to be pro Jordan Love all of a sudden. And uh, I think he's going to be good. I think he's been doing great. But this was even, this was kind of over the top, like in the other direction. And it happened, you know, 48 hours later from when these same people were saying how he's garbage and the Packers had no chance. So I shouldn't be surprised, but my goodness, uh, I don't know, you probably covered some of this stuff uh, by the time this airs, but shocking, but I guess not shocking. But anyway, talk to you later. Yeah, Kyle, I'm hoping you caught that two-hour marathon, which I'm starting to think maybe this should be a two-hour marathon, too, because I'm, I'm just feeling good right now, and I kind of want to power through this. But um, anyways, I think overall I do like it. Although the hypocrisy annoys me, here's why I generally like it. There's two things at play here. There's the, the mouth breathers that are swinging around back and forth. Obviously, none of us want them to be able to take credit for any of this I told you so. We'll come back to that. The second thing is the massive populace of human beings that aren't completely plugged in that formed their negative view of Jordan Love based on these same freaking fat mouth breathers. Sorry, I'm a little I'm a little <laughs> perturbed about how this has gone the last couple of years. I don't think almost any of them are fat, but it just felt like something I needed. It wasn't even them, it was their face. Their their mouth is fat. Fat face freaking fatty faces. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt good, all right? 
I like it because we're about to have a lot of backup. Now, it's it's probably going to be short-lived. We'll see how this preseason goes. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But as long as this is the narrative, you, you got to understand, like, two weeks ago, if a Packer fan were talking to a Bears fan and said Jordan Love's going to be better than Justin Fields, every single human being, with the exception of a large portion of Packer fans and some people in the data community that actually know stuff, not even necessarily positive about Love, but just how bad Fields was, Almost everybody would have jumped on the, you know, Packer fans are being stupid, the Bears fan is right bandwagon. Although a lot of people really have a negative view of Justin Fields outside of the media and Chicago, I've noticed. Especially Steelers fans, which cracks me up. I really think I really think there was a massive fight that took place over Claypool. And it's kind of similar to what's going on with Packers and Jets fans, where there's just there was a lot of fighting going on. And so you just start to see these random strays. Every time I'm in the comments section, I'm seeing Steelers fans in there talking trash. But now, with more and more attention being drawn to Jordan Love, you're going to get a lot of people that are buying into it. And I know that shouldn't matter, but it does. As much as if you would have told me this three weeks ago, I would have said, it, who cares what other idiots who don't know think? It really is refreshing. It's refreshing for all of us. It's almost like I can breathe again. You know, it's been so constricting, the negativity. Everybody's negative because of all these idiots who have been saying all this negative stuff for such a long time, and then everybody else that doesn't know what they're talking about is just saying the exact same thing that everybody else is saying. It's so frustrating. And so, as far as the two camps are concerned, I think a lot of the pressure is off of Green Bay because people are just done saying stupid stuff. And as a result, I think the vast majority of people have moved on. And as much as it's stupid that a lot of people are now believing that Jordan Love is, is looking like an elite quarterback and they found their third because that obviously is not information that's anywhere that you can find, I'll take it. Because it kind of just brought us back to zero. It brought us back to the point where we can say, he's looking good, he's got some promise, they might actually have something here, let's wait and see. That's it, and that's all anybody asked. Even if you want to say, I don't think he's looked good, but we'll see, that's fine. And then as far as the mouth breathers, they can easily be held accountable. First of all, most of them, most people know that, especially Colin Coward, these guys flip back and forth constantly. I've got receipts up the wazoo. I've got, I've got a whole folder, and I forgot to, to save a bunch of others, but I can easily go back and find more. It's not hard to do. I'm not just talking Twitter. I mean, I, I've got a separate folder here for YouTube videos and comments. So that can all be dealed with when the time comes. But for me, it's just, it's just refreshing. By the way, if you have any, send it to me so I can add it to my, my list of goodness. Hey, it's Jimmy. Hey. Um, so recounting um, times when we predicted things that have then happened. I'm so excited to tell you the story. Okay. Uh, it was the run the table year uh, on our way to the Super Bowl. And uh, I was at my favorite hometown Packer bar that I would once saw every game at. like, And that was in that time of life when um even though i was married and had kids i could still get out to those important games and like went to every game there that year and uh so it was like a family you know and then and we all of a sudden the magic was happening uh this place even has like a, a trombone that would go around that when they would score a touchdown and rando people would play the trombone anyway here's the point um it was the atlanta game and uh it was right before halftime, and I, like, grabbed my buddy's shoulder and yelled in his ear over the din of the crowd, Javon Williams is going to pick it off, pick six, it's going to be a pick six right down the sideline, watch this. And I swear to God, 
That's exactly what happened. He just jumped the route, pick six, all the way back. And uh, and I just went nuts. And I was so happy that somebody else, like, witnessed, you know, at least uh, in their ear, uh, my prediction. And uh, and that will forever go down for me as, I, I don't know, I can't do anything better than that. That was beautiful. Um, so, hey, thanks uh, for giving me an excuse to tell uh, somebody that story. Bye-bye. I appreciate you calling in and uh, sharing the story with us. And it, it just makes me think, again, if I start doing live streams this year, I'm just going to start calling my shot like crazy. People on the stream are going to be really annoyed by it. But do you understand how many views I'm going to get <laughs> when I strip that one clip and I've got like 10 of those a game? People that don't know any better are going to think I'm some kind of messiah. Oh my goodness, he is a genius. The man knows everything. I guess I could just, I mean, if I'm going to be ridiculous about it, I could just lie anyways. I could just snip two uh <laughs> two things together i'll make a video after the fact 40 yard touchdown to romeo dobbs coming right here recorded an hour after the game i don't know what we're talking about craig what are you doing man what's going on hey ryan it's craig from indiana what's up? um a couple a couple of things uh first and i thought you might appreciate this last I week i went out to my garage and my stand-up freezer was a jar and there was water coming mm -hmm. out of the front and, of course, the first thing I thought is, oh, no, my frozen vegetables might be getting thawed. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. It was the meat, right? I had a full brisket, two pork shoulders oh. or butts. I'm not sure they use those interchangeable, but it seems like a very different part of the body. <laughs> um, and some pork loins. So, luckily, they were Man. just kind of starting to thaw as if you put them in a refrigerator. Yeah. So, for the next... Three days. I mean, do you do that guy thing where you're just kind of like, eh, it's probably fine. You look at the price tag and you're like, it's fine. If it's like chicken breast or something, that's first of all kind of nasty to begin with. Like, you know, you think about like spoiled chicken breast and it's maybe not the most expensive thing. I'm much more inclined to be like, you know what? That's probably bad. But you got a brisket that's starting to thaw. Like, nah, maybe I'll just cut that corner off that thought and the rest will be fine. <laughs> this thing is going to be okay. All right. I will refreeze it. Shut up. Leave me alone. It's fine. Smoking meat um, so I can use it. Um, and it's been awesome, but um, it's uh, it's been a lot of work, and my smoker's gotten quite the workout over the yep, last, uh, last few days. Um, and it was all delicious, by the way. And you, uh, if you're not already, you should jump in the, uh, the group Discord, the Packernet After Dark Discord. We've got some grill and smoke and stuff going on in there. Uh, I did want to say, uh, you know, about canceling the game, uh, I do get it. I do understand it. I don't know if anyone's really talked about um, uh, kind of the impact on the fans, right? So I, I guess I just think about the tickets that I sold to a lifelong Packer fan who has taken his son for the first time to Lambeau and extremely excited, a dream of his, and then obviously it's cut short. Um, but... Yeah, so there's whatever seventy five, eighty thousand people there that uh, um, probably leave a little disappointed. But again, I understand it. But uh, that's kind of a kind of a bummer for them. But I know it's all relative. Um, I did want to talk about it at the beginning of the season. Uh, it seemed like um, I think you were in the camp. I was in the camp of hey, if, if Jordan can be as good as Rogers in twenty two, middle of the road, we'll be happy. Um, it certainly seems like he's there, if not 
even better. I know it's a short, short window and a few plays, but I think Clayton said that he was like 75% completion where Rodgers was 65. I might have heard that wrong, but um, just a comparison. I just, I didn't know if he had actually compared CFF or any other stat. Yeah, we can do of, that. Uh, Jordan so far against versus Rodgers in 22. Um, and I do think more people are feeling good about Jordan. I know that I am. Um, and I thought it was a fourth point. But I, oh well, just I was bummed because they weren't showing the Packer game live. Uh, I was at a concert anyway, but I recorded it the next day, um, and it turned out to be the Bills game, even though it was labeled the Packers. So I haven't gotten to see the whole game yet, um, but I did see some of the highlights. And again, very very excited about the season. Looking forward to the first home game. I'll be at that game. Um, so go back up. Yeah, so I'm I'm guessing that Jordan is going to be uh, much higher in most categories because again he's he's actually grading out extremely high. Um, now again, this is preseason, so we shouldn't necessarily expect this to carry over. But just for reference here, um, his overall grade is an eighty-seven point one. If that was his grade in the regular season, he would be the fourth highest graded quarterback behind Joe Burrow and ahead of Jalen Hurts. And the cool thing about that is it gives some context into how good Jordan Love has actually been, right? I mean, I, again, I haven't been massively blown away, but when you really look at it and say, dude, in this in this little sample size that we've seen, that's how good he's been, that's pretty freaking crazy, right? And if you just look at it from a passing standpoint, 824 um, that would put him, yeah, fourth again, uh, behind Josh Allen, ahead of Tua. So it'd be Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jordan Love. So that's how good he's been. Now, do I expect that in the regular season? I absolutely 1,000% do not. If he is, I'll be freaking blown away. And I think pressure is going to be a big part of it because he has faced almost no pressure, and I don't think he does a very good job with pressure. Also, no vanilla defenses and all that kind of stuff. But if we want to just do a one-to-one comparison, um, you know, Rodgers, 77.5 overall compared to 87 Jordan Love, 82.4 passing grade, 75.9. Um, yards per attempt, Rodgers, 6.8. Jordan, 7.2. Uh, Big-time throw percentage, Jordan is at 5.6%, and Aaron was at 57 That's actually quite high, I think, 57 When I saw 56 for... Uh, Jordan, I was like, crap, that's high. Rodgers isn't going to be anywhere close. I was thinking maybe 3%, but no, 5.7. Um, so basically the same there. Turnover-worthy plays, Aaron Rodgers 2.9, Jordan 0. Obviously, it's not going to be 0 for the remainder, but it just kind of goes to show again how good he's been. Average depth of target, 9.7 for Love. It was 8.5 for Rodgers. Adjusted completion percentage, 75.8% for Rodgers. It is 70.6% for Love. I don't think I looked at completion percentage over here. Uh, Actual completion percentage, Jordan's a little bit higher. But if you look at adjusted completion percentage, Aaron Rodgers is significantly higher. So when you factor in, uh, I shouldn't say significantly, but 70 to 75, the the drops and whatnot put Rodgers ahead. The other thing I, I thought was interesting, and I don't really, I don't know. It sounds like this is, JJ's kind of working on it. And I may start to explore it a little bit because I haven't thought too much about it. A lot of people, as I said, I've been annoyed with 
how many people have said the Packers offensive line is going to plummet because of Aaron Rodgers. He was the reason that made the offensive line good, which is, I think, absurd. We've had terrible offensive linemen. We've had elite offensive linemen. Aaron Rodgers can't just make you great. Also haven't seen major shifts when offensive linemen come or go. So I find that to be nonsense. However, I know um, JJ had pointed something out to me about the correlation between offensive line and time to throw, which would obviously have a lot to do with quarterback, but it's not a quarterback stat necessarily. In other words, it has nothing to do with this sort of, there was a stat guy I saw who was like, Rodgers always knew when to step up and knew when to do these things. It's like, that's not really a quantifiable thing. That's the thing you're saying. But as far as time to throw, that's a very measurable thing. And Rodgers is at 2.67, which is not the fastest thing in the world. And Jordan is at 2.7, I think, 2.79, which is high for him. And I think a big part of it is, is the well, first of all, the second game against New England was actually 3.23 compared to 2.4. Um, so the average is really high. But they're doing this constant rollout thing, this boot action stuff. It was like every single play they were doing that. And those are very slow developing plays. But they also aid the offensive line. They make your offensive line look good. So it's not, it, it, it's, it's going to skew the curve in terms of time to throw being negative for your offensive line because it's going to be a high number, but also your offensive line is going to look good. That's why PFF strips those out in terms of pass rushers and offensive linemen when they look at true pass sets because things like that are designed to, to kind of help your offensive. I mean, you do stuff like that, like if you have a tackle that's out and your backup is trash, you just make your quarterback run away. <laughs> just go somewhere else. But I think that number is going to come down. But the, the, the point is, and yeah, there are, I'm sure, other factors that are probably going to be hard to quantify, but I think the biggest one is time to throw. And we talked about this before. Coverage is the best way to get pressure. We didn't learn that until the second half of last year, right? We, were, we lost Rashawn Gary, and the formula was bring more pass rushers. It didn't really work. Then we said, forget that plan. Let's just focus on coverage. And our pressures went up, even, I think, above when we had Rashawn Gary, because it, pressures are pressures and sacks are largely a function of time. It's not a, it's not a matter of if the quarterback is going to get sacked. It's a question of when. Eventually, they're going to get there. And if you give them an extra 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.5 seconds in the pocket, the pressures are going to go through the roof. And so it works the other way with quarterbacks as well. It's why quarterbacks like Fields and everybody else that holds the ball for a long time has such high sacks. So I say all that just to say... This idea that Aaron Rodgers was just this wizard in the pocket and he knew how to evade pressure. I mean, I think he did that really well maybe a little bit earlier in his career. I think toward the end it started to look a little iffy. I think he more looked just scared than anything. But I think Jordan gets the ball out of his hand really quickly. They, In fact, they focus on that a ton. I don't think you're going to have as many deep shots with Jordan as you had with Rodgers. You're still going to have them, but I think you're going to have more short to intermediate. R Rodgers had a ton of short, but you're going to have more intermediate and maybe a little bit less of the deep passing, so you're going to have the quick timing, so you're not going to have that negative as far as the offensive line. So I don't, all that to say, I don't think there's going to be more pressure just because Rodgers makes offensive lines look, I mean, look what's going on in New York. Not only were we told our offensive line is going to go to zero, but we were told that the Jets' offensive line was going to look so much better. Now, granted, if you look at the highlights, Rodgers is able to escape the pocket and make plays, but do you think the offensive line is going to grade out well on that? Of course not! The offensive line is garbage! If, the, if PFF was grading these practices, they would have the worst offensive line in football. So the idea that he's going to magically make the offensive line block better is nonsense. Anyways, I wanted to rip through a few more, but um, maybe we'll do like an early, uh, early one tomorrow to get to some more of these calls. But I got to get going. 
You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.